Hey, welcome back. We are here for week two of this series in which we're going through Revelation, uh, which obviously goes right along with Christmas. But seriously, how I looked at this when I, I planned this series was kind of the second Advent. And Christmas is about the Advent, the coming of the Lord. And through Revelation, uh, as, as we talked about last week, it's one of the more difficult to read because people have these preconceived notions. And last week we introduced that and hopefully helped a little bit with that. We talked about John and how he was called and, and kind of what, what he saw at first and how the beginning of Revelation was a certain thing and then it goes into prophecy and it goes into heavenly things. And so that's where we're going to come in this week. We're going to talk about worship in heaven, about the angels, about angels of music and all of these different things. Uh, and so I want to read from Revelation chapter 4. Then as I looked, I saw a door standing open in heaven, and the same voice I had heard before spoke to me like a trumpet blast. The voice said, come up here, and I will show you what must happen after this. And instantly I was in the spirit, and I saw a throne in heaven and someone sitting on it. The one sitting on the throne was as brilliant as gemstones, like jasper and carnelian, and the glow of the emeralds circled his throne like a rainbow. Twenty-four thrones surrounded him, and twenty-four elders sat on them. They were all clothed in white and gold crowns, white, and had gold crowns on their head. From the throne came flashes of lightning and the rumble of thunder. And in front of the throne were seven torches with burning flames. This is the sevenfold spirit of God. In front of the throne was a shiny sea of glass sparkling like crystal. So basically, we are seeing a glimpse of heaven right away. We are seeing a throne room. Uh, we know that Jesus is the voice. Jesus is the sinner. Jesus is the king, uh, the king of all. And, and for a second, put yourself into John's positions. Like we talked about at the beginning of this series, he was the last living of the original disciples. And so he had seen his brothers, his friends, his savior all go away. And then to be in exile, to feel that, to feel that loneliness, to wonder, is my purpose still, still going? What, what should I do? What is my life going to be like? What's going to happen to me? To wonder all of that. And then to, to get this amazing calling from Jesus to be able to hear his voice again, to be able to see him again and be told to write these different letters, to be told to write about what he's going to see and then to be called in spirit up to heaven. Now, one of the things to remember throughout Revelation is a lot of it is written from, from how John describes things. Now, for some of it, especially when we get into a little bit of the, the future stuff, what he is seeing is probably things that he has no comprehension. Just for example, uh, if, if we brought Abraham Lincoln forward a couple hundred years and like sat him in the sound room upstairs. He would have no idea what it is and how he would describe it would be very different from how we would describe the, the different screens and the different things. And so in some ways, John is describing things like that. Some things are literal, some things are symbolic. It's very difficult. The most important thing uh, to know is that John had a purpose and that John was saying this to tell us, hey, you know, Jesus has a plan. And the beginning of the uh, revelation, so to speak, is right here in which he shows him heaven. He shows him the final result. He shows him where we're going. He shows him what we're looking for. He calls him in spirit to see things that he may not be able to comprehend, but to feel that love, to feel that purpose, to go from exile to heaven and, and all of the things he sees. And I want to go through a little bit of them as we go, but he mentions a rainbow. He mentions the gemstones and a rainbow that was very reminiscent and a callback to the covenant that God gave to Noah when he said, hey, it's okay. You're going to be okay. Humanity is going to be okay. Things have been really hard, but now you're going to be able to go forward and to try again and to work again. And he's showing John, hey, this never changed. Like humans may screw it up and, and we may have people uh, everywhere messing things up and hurting each other. And even Christians 
often hurting each other and doing the wrong thing. And Jesus is like, John, John, I know that it's been hard for you. And it's going to be hard in the future for people too. But I am still here and there is still an ultimate victory. There is still a heaven. There is still a covenant. And then we get into some of the things where uh, these kind of, this is kind of what makes Revelation my very favorite book in the Bible. Uh, and I've read it the most and I've studied it the most. And I still, you know, I'm nowhere near an expert because nobody can really be an expert on this. But to see the 24 elders, it's kind of exciting for me and hopefully a little bit for you that there's so many different theories, so many different possibilities for this. Some of the, the most well-known, some of the most well-thought ones. Uh, it, it could be 12 prophets from the Old Testament and the 12 disciples, although John is here. But then you get into the simple fact that in heaven, time runs very differently because time, and I'm not going to go crazy into Stephen Hawking land, but time is a... a, a Basically an earthly invention, so to speak. Like it works in this plane of existence. In heaven, who knows, but it's not like that because God doesn't need those things to make things make sense. And everything is perfect and everything is wonderful. And, and eternity is there. And, and so it's just, it gets really confusing. I get it. But, you know, theoretically, it's possible that John could be seeing a version of himself or a future version or whatever. Uh, but that doesn't necessarily mean anything. It could just be 24 Hall of Famers of... of the faith of believers. You could see like uh, Moses, Elijah, uh, maybe Billy Graham, Paul, like all of these different people. Who knows? Uh, it, it could be uh, members of the 12 tribes of Israel, which makes sense. There's something to do, like I said, with the 12 disciples. The important thing, and this is going to be a theme throughout all of this, especially when we get into the heavy, like uh, futuristic stuff. The important thing is that Jesus is at the center. The important thing is that this is not a book meant to scare us. It's not a passage meant to scare us. It's a passage meant to say, hey, as long as you are ready, it doesn't matter when this happens. It doesn't matter who of the, the disciples or who of the prophets or who of whatever are there. Just know that they are there and know that there's a plan and know that it's set. Uh, in our lives, in our world, especially this year, we found that having a plan for ourselves goes out the window. Uh, I've told this before and I'll say it again probably because I tend to repeat myself after so long because I've talked forever, but uh, early on in like March when we first met as a staff and, and with the board to kind of talk about, hey, what are we going to do? And, and when the leaders of the churches are like, hey, you know, this is a, the COVID thing is real and we've got to take some time. And so in my head, I'm like, you know, I'm going to do live streams every week until this is done. And, and again, in my head, I'm like, eh, you know, I'll have to finish out March probably, maybe do one or two in April, but then I'll be good. And then as time stretched, my plans changed a little bit. And I'm like, okay, well, by the summer, it's going to be fine. And then, you know, the summer hits and it's like, ah, you know, surely this will be all uh, under control by, by the school year. And, you know, we're standing here in December. And so you see that things are still up in the air and things are still confusing and things are still different. And different answers come from different places and different people say different things. The point of all that is, for the most part, when we make a plan based on what we know and what we understand, that changes. Some of you are starting to look at college. You're starting to look at uh, next school year. You're starting to look at your future. And, and it's wonderful to plan those things. And it's important to plan those things. It's important to sit and think, okay, is, is this where I should go to college? Is this what I should study? Should I uh, join the military? Should I go into the workforce? Should I go to a trade school? Uh, what, whatever it is that you're deciding for your future. And hopefully you have people around you to help you with that. And you're praying. That's important. But those things aren't necessarily going to happen the way that you plan them. I've used this again before, 
But in my life, when I was in high school, all the way through uh, to mostly through my senior year, uh, you know, avoiding the dinosaurs and going uphill both ways on the snow and all these different things that happened, crazy stuff. Uh, I was going to be a doctor. Now my great-grandparents told me I was going to be a doctor, and I, you know, I got the grades, I was ready, I was studying, and then, you know, I got to senior year. And I had this English teacher who showed me how important it is to love writing. And I'm like, wow, you know what, why would I be a doctor and have cars and money and, and all of these wonderful things when I could write and have one book that sells like seven copies? Like, this is something that I definitely want for my life. No, but it was like, this, is, this feels better. This feels more like me. This feels more like home. And so I go to college, and I study English. I start out studying, uh, teaching high school English. And I'm like, I can't do this. I can't talk in front of people, which, you know, oddly is working right now for me. But I can't talk in front of people. I can't do this. And so I switched to just English. Again, most lucrative thing you could ever do. Switch to just English. I got through it. I loved it. It was wonderful. Uh, one of the things that I like to say as you're in high school right now or middle school or whatever, and you get like the assignment for a one-page paper or a two-page paper, and you freak out. I used to feel that way too, even though I'm a writer. And then, you know, freshman year, I get like a six-page paper, and then it goes to 12, and I eventually wrote a hundred-page paper. And it's like, whoa. But my point is, my plans changed, and then they changed again. And then after college, it's like, what should I do? Should I go into politics? Should I go into the government? Should I stay a reporter? Should I do this? Should I do that? And I got led to creative writing school. Again, boom, racking up the debt for definite reasons. And, and so I go to creative writing school, and, and I, I study, and I get good grades, and I make it out. And then I'm like, okay, what now? And I took care of my great-grandma, and I stayed home, and I reported. And then the ministry doors opened up, and I'd started to feel a calling that way from helping the point is, my plans changed. And my plans included being married and having kids and having my own home and all of these things that are not happening right now. Now, there are people that will say, well, that means you're a failure. You, if, you, if things change from how you plan it, then you're a failure. That's not how life works. You see, the only plan that is never changing is God's plan. And that's the whole point of Revelation. That's the whole point of this series. Things around us will change. Things around us will happen. Uh, pandemics will come, hopefully not often, but they will come. Uh, people will lose things, lose people, lose jobs, all of these things. And it hurts and it's hard and it's difficult. And we should make plans and try. But only God's plan is never changing. Because his love for us led him to create this perfect thing. And so we can talk all day about the 12, uh, what the 24 means and the thrones and what it looks like and the seven golden lampsteads. And I love talking about these things. But the most important thing, as I said, is Jesus at the center. And he gives John this gift. John had to be wondering, you know, why am I the last one? Why? What is special about me? And, you know, if you go back to his gospel, he talks about, I am the disciple that, that Jesus loved. So, he, you know, he felt special from time to time. As the kids say, he was smelling himself. But nobody likes when I say millennial and next-gen slang, but whatever. Uh, so, I threw myself off with that. So... John had to be wondering, what is, what is my purpose? What's happening? Why am I here? And then Jesus says, hey, this. And he shows him the ultimate fulfillment of his plan. And so we're going to the next part. Uh, in the center and around the throne were four living beings, each covered with eyes, front and back. The first of these living beings was a lion, was like a lion. The second was like an ox. The third had a human face. And the fourth was like an eagle in flight. Each of these living beings had six wings, and their wings were covered all over with eyes, inside and out, day after day, and night after night. They kept on saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God, the Almighty, the one who always was, who is, and who is still to come. 
Uh, this is where we start with like the really crazy things where it's like, what in the world is that? Like a being with, with eyes all over and uh, what, uh, four living beings and they each have six wings and they're covered with eyes. What is this? Again, I can stand here and tell you the different theories. And I will say, uh, there are people who say, you know, maybe it's for post-disciple ministers. Well, why do they look like that? I don't know. Uh, maybe it is four types of creation. Why do they look like that? I don't know. Uh, one thing that we do know is that angels, as we see them in popular fiction, in uh, our dreams, in our art, in everything else, that's not what angels actually look like in heaven. Now you're thinking, well, wait, what? what angels look like these creepy, like monstrous beings? Like, how is that possible? That's not what, what I want to see. Well, one of the things to remember is when we are in heaven, we are complete, more than we ever have been, more than we ever will be. And we feel that completion, and we don't have the corruption, we don't have the temptation, we don't have any of that stuff. We're still us, and we have our personalities, and our hearts, and our minds. But it's just, it's different, and there's no way for me to describe that, because there's no way for me to fully understand that. But regardless of whether this is for archangels, or for exalted angels, or whatever, again, exciting to talk about, and weird to picture, uh, and obviously, God would have the power to make them look differently for us. Because if one of these things appeared before Mary to say, hey, you're about to have the Savior, that scripture looks a lot different. Because she's like, whoa. And so we see things how we can see things. It's kind of like going back to the Old Testament. Uh, when, when Moses is like, I want to see you, Lord. I want to see you. And God's like, you can't look upon me or you'll go blind because you're a human. You're not just, you're just not ready for that. And so he just showed him the back of his shoulder and that still like burned him. And it's just, all of these things are so difficult to understand, but they're still so amazing because it shows how willing God is to help us, to love us, to show us a better way that he doesn't have to. You see, Heaven is perfect right now. It was perfect before any human existed. God was perfect, is perfect before anything existed. Uh, you know, he didn't have to have any of this. And yet love led him to create us. Love led him to, to have this plan go forward. Love makes him. And so the angels, if that's what these are, the four living beings, weird looking. Uh, if you've, there's probably pictures online, I would imagine. Uh, I would hesitate to tell you to just go searching random things on Google because they can get freaky. But there are probably pictures, places of, of these types of beings. But again, the key is not in what they look like. It's not even in who they are. It's in who they serve. And so these living beings, I'm going to call them angels for now because it goes with the series. And that's what I personally think. Uh, which is another side note. I have studied this a lot. Now, I'm not, I joke about my age. I'm still fairly young in some ways. Uh, I've studied this a lot. I've read commentaries. I've read Revelation over and over and over again since I was a kid. And I am nowhere near able to say, well, this is actually how it's going to happen. I have my own theories and I've prayed about them and I've thought about them. I'll talk about some of them. And I believe that's probably the way things will go. But again, that's just me. That doesn't mean at all. And so anybody that can come to you and say, hey, this is exactly what this means. This is exactly what's going to happen on anything besides Jesus is going to come back and he will save you. They don't, because it's confusing and it's hard. And again, the most important thing is not what I think. It's what we know. And what we know is holy, holy, holy is the Lord God, the Almighty, the one who always was, who is, and who is still to come. That's the important part is Jesus is forever. Jesus has always, will always exist in love for us. And so you see these beings, you see the elders all worshiping him because heaven is amazing. 
uh, heaven is beyond perfect. Uh, the closest comparison to it on earth is Bloomington, Indiana, where IU is, and it's just the most amazing thing. And, you know, I'm just joking, mostly, although go IU. But the important thing is the best thing that you can picture, uh, Disney World, Walmart, whatever, the most perfect thing that you can picture, the most perfect place, heaven is light years beyond that. Because there is nothing bad there. And we'll get into that a little bit later with the no tears and no pain and no sorrow. But the most important thing is Jesus is at the center. And all of those plans that, that we had, whether they worked out how we wanted or they worked out better or they worked out differently, whatever. Here the plan is we're in perfection and we're happy. And John is seeing these things. And it's so amazing. And I want to finish the scripture here with starting at verse 9. Uh, Whenever the living beings give glory and honor and thanks to the one sitting on the throne, the one who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down and worship the one sitting on the throne, the one who lives forever and ever, and they lay their crowns before the throne and say, you are worthy, O Lord our God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and they exist because you created what you pleased. Again, what we see here is worship. Uh, we have a wonderful church and, and, and Sean and Mary and everybody involved with the tech team and the worship teams, like they do an amazing job, especially when we're actually in person. They do an amazing job and worship, I feel here is great. But in heaven, man, it's light years beyond that. Again, take the most amazing worship experience you've ever had. And then that's like the low bar in heaven because it's so perfect. And I know I keep saying that, but it's because earth is not perfect. And as good as our lives become, they're not perfect and things are tricky and we have uh, leaders and and people that that make things worse and we have friends that leave us and we have pain and we have sorrow and all of these things. John was in exile. He had all of these things. And Jesus pulled him aside and said, hey, there's a purpose. There's a plan and it's not changing and I'm not going anywhere and I love you. And that's what he says to all of us. Now, our plan and our purpose isn't going to be the same as John's, and we probably won't see things like that. There are cases of people saying that they've witnessed heaven on a near-death experience or something. I don't know. But the important thing is someday, if we keep living for him, if we keep growing for him, if we keep dealing with everything around us and doing our best, we will see this, and we will understand it. And again, the key for this scripture is the reality of heaven is greater than any description, whether it's in Revelation, the rest of the Bible, from me, from any other pastor, from anybody. We can only describe what we can understand. And John tries to do that. Heaven is so much greater. And so that's why I wanted to do it this week and why I wanted to do this series. I love all of Revelation. But a lot of what it means to me is, hey, everything that you're facing, everything you're dealing with, keep going, keep fighting. But someday... Someday there will be an end to that. Someday things will be perfect. Someday we will see what John saw. Someday there will be no more war, no more anything. Except for goodness, except for worshiping Jesus. And that doesn't mean that you should stop planning your life. It doesn't mean you should stop trying. It doesn't mean you should stop helping each other. It doesn't mean you should stop doing your best. You should do all of those things. Because as Christians, we believe strongly someday we're going to be there. And our goals, our lives... Among all of the other things, whether you're going to be a pastor or a writer or a teacher or things that I'm not interested in, other things, whatever you're going to be, we also have this very important calling to show others how to get here, to show others what it means to live like there is a heaven, what it means to live like there is a plan, what it means to live like Jesus loves us, to show them that sure, sureness. 
This series is about that. And this week with the angels of music, it's about that. And as we go forward in the the last couple weeks, I'll talk a little bit more about the different prophecies and the different symbols. But again, the most important thing is at the center of everything, an unchanging, loving, perfect Savior who has a plan for us and who has the ultimate plan for everyone. And so we go forward during this Christmas season and past this Christmas season, regardless of what happens in the news or the world around us, we go forward and we show that light to everyone and we do our best to do good, to love everyone, to be there and to show what a little glimpse of what John sees here. That's why he wrote this. Yes, to say, hey, be ready because bad things are going to happen, but also, hey, be ready because good things are coming. And so just keep going forward, keep trying, keep being who you are and serving the person, the Savior, the God who is the center of everything and has a plan for you. And that's all I got.